Um, we're focusing on Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, although I'm not going to be digging so much into that, but it's on page 751 if you do want to refer to it. This is National Poetry Month, for those of you who did not know. And I thought, well, since it is National Poetry Month, I would start off with uh, some poetry. And I am very, uh, I'm approaching this with a little trepidation because I've been told that a poet who reads his own work in public may have other nasty habits. Uh, But we'll just go ahead and see how this works, okay? What is it like to be without sight? To have colors melt and merge from vibrant joys to muted sorrows. What is that like? My wife and I saw him sitting one day, two years of age, and all in a rage to explore the room of vinyl and steel, a waiting place, and in his case, a place of waiting for sight. In his world, there was no light. Shades and shadows were all he knew, so he used his foot minus the shoe to tap-tap his way off of the chair, toes filling in for eyes, his bare belly sticking to the vinyl. But he could not, but could his stomach feel the greenness of chair or his toes, the blueness of carpet? Here it seemed the concept of color was only potential impossibilities as we sat in this place of waiting filled with inadequacies and incapabilities and people who could hardly see desperately waiting for miracles. We saw him again in only three days. His eyes were wide open and amazed with the world made new with light. What is it like to receive new sight? What is it like to wander within a world of shadows and shades, blackness and grays, to never see in colors of grace Kindness, peace, and mercy. What is that like? What if you thought you saw? But it was only, after all, an illusion, a lifelong confusion of reality and fantasy. What if the blindness was of the heart and a darkness of the soul? What would it take to make you whole? And what would it take to make you see? A blinding light, irony, but yes, perhaps it's happened before and maybe more than you know. Damascus Road and a terrifying vision removing but strangely healing and restoring. What misguided road have you traveled? What pain of your heart must be unraveled before you can face and be embraced by the harsh, demanding light of grace? What will it take to realize something like scales cover the eyes? of our hearts and minds and what is it like to be made blind to be made to see and will we choose to follow and trust or will we keep our eyes wide shut knowing at any time we could see to know grace and peace but refuse to concede what is it like to choose dark over light when light is just within reach It's never too late, and so we wait in this place of waiting for sight. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And he found himself waiting in a waiting room for the blind. For three days, all he could do was wait. Couldn't eat. 
I mean, if you had what happened to him happen to you, you wouldn't be eating either. And pray. That's what he was doing. Ironically, the first time he really sees, the first time he comes face to face with reality and light, it strikes him physically blind. It was three days before that this happened. He now sits in a place of waiting in a house of a man named Judas on a street called Straight in a city called Damascus. Three days before he knew who he was. His world, he could clearly see his world before him. Perhaps the youngest member of the Sanhedrin Council. There are some who believe that. I believe that personally. In a couple of chapters before when they convict a man named Stephen from from heresy, basically, and they stone him to death. It says, and Saul gave hearty approval to his death. That's a word, an interesting word, kind of a legal term in the original language from what some people are saying. And that kind of indicates that he gave the vote for his death. And then when the witnesses lay their coats, just the two witnesses, you don't need a whole crowd of witnesses, just two, the first ones to cast a stone, lay their coats at his feet, a young man named Saul, that could be anywhere between age 25 and 40, It's not because he's just the young kid over here and grab him, hey, watch my coats. But no, it's kind of an indication that he was the one who was in charge of the execution. That he was the overseer of the execution. So Saul is not just some general flunky over here. He's not just some young punk. No, he knows exactly who he is. Perhaps the youngest member of the Sanhedrin. Three days before, he was Saul of Tarsus. A rabbinical scholar, disciple of the most famous rabbi of that day, a guy named Gamaliel, grandson of the great Hillel. Three days before, he was so certain that he could see God's will, that he was on the way to the synagogues of Damascus, papers in hand, permission in hand, to be able to raid And to find Christians, Christ followers, and drag them back to Jerusalem to be tried and perhaps executed. Three days prior, Saul of Tarsus thought he could clearly see. He was on the move. He's bringing about the kingdom of God. And according to some sources, uh, there were Orthodox Jews back then that actually believed that Anyone who was of the Jewish faith that was involved in heresy were actually keeping the Messiah from coming. They were actually preventing the kingdom of God from coming. So he saw himself actually furthering the agenda of the kingdom of God. He was blind. And now he's in a waiting place for the blind. Because he had been so very, very wrong. Saul of Tarsus was really blind for most of his adult life. He was blinded by what he thought God wanted. He was blinded by his own agenda for what he thought God's kingdom was about. He was blinded by zeal for that particular agenda. And what was worse, he was blind to his own blindness. He couldn't see that he couldn't see. And it makes me kind of wonder, as I reflect on this story. Can that happen to me? I mean, he wasn't a Christ follower. He was a Christ persecutor. 
So what about Christ's followers? I mean, can we be blinded as well? Can we have the wrong agenda in our minds? I, I think so. Because in that same story, there was another person, a Jesus follower, named Ananias. And he was blind too, in his own way. I mean, he was blind because it took a vision. Interesting play on words there in the text. It took a vision for him to open his eyes. Jesus appears to him and says, Hey, Ananias, I got a guy over here who's blind. He's been sitting for three days. He hadn't been eaten. His name is Saul of Tarsus. I want you to go lay your hands on him and heal him. And Ananias says, I don't see that happening. Sorry. I mean, Jesus, do you know who we're talking about here? Maybe you haven't been listening or paying attention, but this guy is antagonistic toward the cause. He's killing Christ's followers. You want me to go heal him? And Jesus says, you don't understand what I've got planned for him. He is going to be a witness before the Gentiles, before kings, before all kinds of folk. You just do what I say. So Ananias was blind as well. And in fact, interestingly enough, we see throughout the book of Acts, there are several blind people that require visions to open their eyes. A guy named Peter who couldn't see Gentiles becoming Christians and takes three visions to open his eyes to the fact that the Gentiles are welcome. The books of Luke and Acts, both written by the same guy, display this constant theme of light and darkness, blindness and sight, prison and release. And by the way, all of those things are synonymous with each other. The picture is that in ancient times, if you were in darkness, that's usually referencing being in the dungeon because that's underground, no windows, very little light. And when you are given light or you're brought into light, it means you've been released. Which is an interesting thing, too. The word release and forgiveness are the same words, too, as well. And so you've been released. You were blind, but now you're able to see. You've been brought into the light. You've been forgiven. You've been released from that which holds you into darkness. And you see this as a thread that runs all throughout the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Starting from the very beginning with uh, an old guy in the temple saying that, or actually through Zechariah, saying that John is going to be a witness of this Messiah that's coming. He's going to bring the light in the darkness. And in Jesus' statement in Nazareth, where he says, you know, this is what I've come about. I've come to bring sight to the blind, release to prisoners. All of these things keep on tying into each other. Light. And at the end of the book of Luke, we have an interesting story. We have two disciples who are like Saul of Tarsus. They're also on a road. But this time, instead of Damascus, they're going to Emmaus. And when Jesus appears, guess what? Their eyes are closed. They can't see him. They're blind to who he is. And it's not until he breaks bread with them in community and he opens scripture that their eyes are opened and they can see clearly what God's kingdom agenda was about. Like Saul, they were blinded by their own kingdom agendas. Their eyes were not open to the power and plans of God. So, there's a question, a few questions I'd like for us to consider. And understand that when I say I'd like for us to consider, I'm really talking to me. 
These are questions that I have to think about for myself. And if they flow over onto you, great. I have to ask ourselves, are we blind to what God is doing in the lives of those around us? Those in our communities. And are we blind to what God is doing in my own life? Personally. What are the impossibilities in my life? Where do I find it impossible to believe that God's work can break through? Is it with a person, a neighborhood, a people group? And I got, I'm, I'm struggling with this personally because I live in a town, Ennis, Texas, just south of here. And it is, I've been there for nearly 18 years now, the longest place I've ever lived. And it is filled with nice, everybody's okay Middle class generally, mostly middle class folks. My neighborhood's mostly that. And I'm looking, they're not going to change for anything. Says who? Says me. Am I open to the impossibilities that God might be moving somewhere? Who do I have a difficult time in seeing God's grace being extended to? Now, I don't think this group here, and just in hanging out with you guys, I don't think this group here has any problem in seeing God's grace being extended to those who are crushed, those who are suffering injustice, those who are having a hard time being accepted by society in general. I don't think, you know, a lot of middle class Christian groups have a hard time with that. I mean, they see that Christ is mainly for my folks. But I don't think that's this group. But I do have to ask a question, though. What about the Saul of Tarsus in our lives? What about the people who adamantly oppose what we stand for? Whether they're religious or irreligious. Is there anyone in my life that I say, eh, God cannot reach that heart? What about myself? Is my biggest blind spot me? Do I see God as really wanting to use me? Do I have a difficult time in letting God forgive and release me from the baggage, not only of the past, but the baggage I'm presently carrying right now? Do I let him do that? Do I have this multiple personality disorder where I'm my own Ananias against my own Saul? Where I'm saying, God, you just really don't know what you're using. You can't use me. Perhaps what we need most of all is to sit in our own waiting room. Just as Saul, deep in prayer, waiting for sight. Perhaps we need to spend extended time in prayer and quiet before we can really have our eyes opened up. And that's what my challenge is for you this week. Nothing big, earth-shattering except just to be quiet before God. Sometime, find your spot. It may be that one chair in your house. It may be that coffee shop. I don't know, but find your spot and spend time opening your heart to Him. And asking, where am I blinded? What am I not seeing? Don't expect to hear a voice. You might, but don't expect it necessarily. It might be somebody else coming and telling you. It might be scripture open to you. It might be a voice. I don't know. But just be open. And as you plan that, as you think about that this week, let me leave you with this blessing. May God give you the patience as you wait for clear vision from Him. May He give you eyes to see His power moving, first of all, in the middle of your own day-to-day existence. May you truly see His love for you, His trust and belief in you, and His grace towards you.
May you clearly see God's kingdom agenda, what He is trying to accomplish in your world. And may God give you eyes to see those He wishes to call through your voice and through your service. May He give you ears to hear, either through the scriptures that are opened up to you or to the brother or the sister who speaks to you. May God give you the strength and the will to leave your waiting place and to act with clear vision for His agenda. God bless you.